continue on in our uh, series considering uh, the Gospel of Luke. This afternoon we will finish chapter 12 considering verses 54 to 59. 54 to 59. And this comes as something of a conclusion of a great discourse that Jesus has been giving throughout chapter 12. And so we'll consider these verses together this afternoon. Beginning in verse 54, Jesus says, He he also said to the crowds, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming. And so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat. And it happens. You hypocrites, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, but why do you not know how to interpret the present time? And why do you not judge for yourselves what is right? As you go with your accuser before the magistrate, make an effort to settle with him on the way, lest he drag you to the judge, and the judge hand you over to the officer, and the officer put you in prison. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid the very last penny. Well, our passage this afternoon, again, as Jesus concludes uh, something of a lengthy discourse in chapter 12, uh, deals with the concept of discernment or judgment. Discernment or judgment. This seems to be the the main point, uh, the main concern that Jesus has in our verses this afternoon. Uh, Discernment, uh, we could define as the ability to see and understand what is going on around you uh, and to be able to know what to do about the things that you see, the things that you understand. Discernment is a particular understanding that someone has. Uh, And this trait of this characteristic of discernment is one that I believe uh, we all know and respect when we see it. Uh, It's what so often in our world separates those who are great people, uh, high-achieving people. Uh, Great people with great achievements are so often characterized by the ability to to look around at the world around them, uh, maybe the industry that they're in, the culture that they find themselves in, uh, and, and to see what's going on, to discern and understand trends, and to decide what should be done. So I think we see this so often in uh, the world of sports. Uh, be any number of examples of coaches, athletes who are able to understand what's going on in their sport and uh, to be able to make decisions, uh, differences that cause them to achieve where others do not. Uh, they're able to see what's going on better than others around them. And so they impact and change the, the sport that they're playing in. So often, I think, in history, we've seen this with Uh, In politics and and in military war situations, Uh, the great leaders in the history of the world, whether they be political leaders or military leaders, are so often great because they're able to understand their times better than everyone else around them. When I think about this, my mind sort of initially went to the the movie that came out in recent years called The Big Short, uh, speaking about the sort of financial crisis and housing collapse and 2007 and 2008, it describes these group of men who were able to see signs and trends in the culture around them, uh, in the sort of financial climate of their day, and were able to make decisions that led to them making large amounts of money. So we see that this is a characteristic that is important in the world around us, and yet it's also one that is important uh, spiritually. It's true for the spiritual condition of the church. 
I think we see this so clearly in uh, 1 Chronicles chapter 7, uh, when uh, 1 Chronicles there describes the sons of Issachar. Uh, we, we may be familiar with that passage. Uh, and in 1 Chronicles 7 verse 32, it describes these sons of Issachar as being important because they were men who, under, who had understanding of the times to know what Israel ought to do. Uh, that was what was significant about them. Uh, that was the benefit that they brought. They, they were able to understand and to see and then to make decisions for the good of Israel. And so weekly in our, our Tuesday morning prayer breakfast, we have a category of, of men that we pray for under the, the title of Sons of Issachar, men that, that we see now Christian men and leaders who are uh, we, we understand as those who are understanding the times well and are speaking to the, the sort of cultural climate in which we live. And Jesus here in our passage this afternoon, I think, speaks to this trait of spiritual discernment. That's the concern that he has. And in particular, in our passage, he condemns and warns against the lack of this spiritual discernment. The lack of discernment amongst the people of Israel in which he is engaging. And also the lack of the, the actions which that spiritual discernment ought to lead us to. So as we consider Jesus' points in this passage this afternoon, I'd like to consider them in, in two points. First, concerning the, in verses 54 to 56, uh, Jesus' point about discerning the times, we might say. Discerning the times. And secondly, in verses 57 to 59, considering Jesus' words about discerning the right actions. Discerning the times and discerning the right actions. These are the two points we'll consider from our text this afternoon. So in verses 54 to 56, we find Jesus teaching us to discern the times. And you'll notice at the beginning in verse 54 that there's something of a shift and a movement going on. So in the verses immediately before us, Jesus has been speaking, particularly, it says, to his disciples. And now it moves, it says, that he also said to the crowds. So these are words that are not being spoken simply or with direct reference to his disciples, but to the crowds at large, the people that are coming to him and are hearing him speak. And to these crowds, Jesus has words of condemnation and warning. In fact, what Jesus is saying in these passages is, uh, he's making a distinction between a, what we might call a natural discernment versus a spiritual discernment. So notice in verses 54 and 55, Jesus describes what we might call the natural discernment that these people have. So notice he says there in verse 54, When you see a cloud rising in the west, you say at once, a shower is coming, and so it happens. And when you see the south wind blowing, you say, there will be scorching heat and it happens. So Jesus is identifying the reality that those at this time, really for all of us living in this world, have the ability to discern different weather trends and to know what's coming. So he says that these people at the time, they're able to see that there's a cloud that's rising and they recognize rain is coming and it does come. They're able to feel this south wind blowing in and recognize that there's going to be significant heat and this is what happens. They have this natural discernment to be able to understand the, the, the signs of the weather and what's going to come. Certainly there's an extent in which we, we are able to do this as well today. Uh, we can see when clouds are coming in and recognize that there's going to be a lot of rain coming, uh, a thunderstorm. Uh, so often you can feel sort of the humidity and recognize that something's about to come. Right? And so Jesus here describes this natural discernment that they have. They're able to understand the weather. 
But notice the contrast he makes in verse 56. While they have a natural discernment, yet they do not have a spiritual discernment. He says, you know how to interpret the appearance of earth and sky, when it will rain, when it will be hot, but you do not know how to interpret the present time. So what does Jesus mean by the present time? Uh, What is it about the present time that they're not able to understand? I think we could summarize in the words of the Apostle Paul in Galatians exactly what Jesus is speaking of here. Uh, The present time is, as Paul says, the fullness of time in which Christ the Messiah, uh, the promised Savior of old, has come. Uh, It's the time of the fulfillment of all of the promises of the Old Testament. Uh, The promises that we see in the early chapters of Genesis, the seed of the woman to come. The promises of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, The promises we see in 2 Samuel chapter 7, a son of David to reign upon his throne. All these things are now being fulfilled at this time. It is the fullness of time that has come in their very midst, in the Lord Jesus Christ. So what is their problem? Well, their problem is that in this fulfillment of all of redemptive history, Christ is before them, and yet they're blind to him. They're blind to who the Lord Jesus Christ is and to what he's come to do. They, they do not understand the, the greatness of the moment in which they are standing and seeing before them. Of course, I think we ought to apply our theological categories that we, we find in our confession and, and throughout the scriptures, that there is a, a distinction between this natural and spiritual discernment. All men outside of the Lord Jesus Christ are totally depraved with darkened minds so that we we cannot of our own understand spiritual realities. This is exactly what the Apostle Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, where there he says that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are folly to him, and he is not able to understand them. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. The spiritual person judges all things, but is himself to be judged by no one. And so we see here this this theological background going on. These are natural people who are not understanding these things because they are spiritually discerning. They are lacking this spiritual discernment which Paul speaks of in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And yet notice what Jesus says, uh, that even though they are totally depraved, lacking a spiritual discernment, and yet they still are responsible for the rejection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Total depravity and human responsibility must go together, Jesus says, in the scriptures. And in this natural discernment, I think we even see God's grace, what we might call his common grace, uh, that though... Uh, We are all totally depraved. There is still yet God's common grace that we are able to understand uh, some of the things around us. We're able to have this natural discernment that Jesus describes here of understanding the weather uh, and the situations around us. And yet notice that even this common grace which God gives to all people condemns them all the more. It condemns them all the more. Notice in verse 56, he describes, after having said that they have this ability to to discern the weather around them, he calls them hypocrites. 
hypocrites. They're able to, to see what will come, what rain will come, what heat will come, and yet they're not able to see the Lord Jesus Christ right before them. I think even we in our own day ought to face uh, maybe even greater condemnation uh, for our understanding about natural things. Uh, we can go online and, and find out the weather that will happen two, three weeks in advance. Right? We, we have even a greater ability to understand natural things. And so there's a, a greater condemnation that ought to come for those who do not see the Lord Jesus Christ. So that is the, the present time in which Jesus speaks in his day, in this text. Uh, but we might ask the question, uh, what, what is the, the present time for us as Christians now uh, who do not live with Jesus Christ physically and bodily present? And, and certainly there is a, a something of a difference between the, the present time of which Christ speaks of here, uh, in which he is physically present, uh, doing miracles, preaching to those who are before him, and yet the present time in which we live, we find described throughout the New Testament. It is the time of the fulfillment of Christ's work. We live after Christ has died, suffered and died on the cross, been buried, risen again from the dead, ascended into heaven, and accomplished all of his great work of redemption. Even more, the present time in which we live is the time of the, the, the completion of the canon of Scripture, and of the, the apostolic message about the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, so that in the New Testament we have the, the full inspired revelation of who Jesus Christ is and what he has done. It's also the present time of the preaching of Christ to the ends of the earth. As we see Jesus describe in Acts chapter 1. The gospel is even now being preached in all nations and to all peoples. Throughout the New Testament, we see the days in which we live described as the last days. Uh, or as John describes it in 1 John chapter 2, the last hour. This is the, the present time in which we live. Christ is clearly proclaimed and preached as the crucified and risen Savior to all people. And yet this same blindness which we find in our passage so often characterizes our culture, our world around us. And sadly, even those within the church. Even within the church, even as these Israelites who would have known the scriptures and known the promises of God, there are those who regularly sit under the ministry of the word and yet do not spiritually discern the Lord Jesus Christ and the gospel. And so Jesus here in our verses condemns this lack of spiritual discernment. And yet within this condemnation, I think we also ought to see a, a positive call to spiritual discernment. He condemns those who do not have it, and within that there is a call that we all ought to seek after this spiritual discernment. Uh, but with an understanding of the times spiritually that Christ uh, describes here, there is also actions which must necessarily flow from that understanding. There are actions which must be taken, and this is particularly what Jesus describes in verses 57 to 59. So we consider our second point, not just that Jesus teaches us to discern the times, but also to discern the right actions. So again, look at verses 57 to 59, where Jesus there gives a picture of someone who has a debt and has an accuser who's bringing them before a magistrate. The ultimate result is that they'll be put in prison, and so he exhorts these people to be those who seek to settle their accounts 
before they come to the magistrate, so that they do not go into prison. But we must ask, is what Jesus is giving us here simply a picture about settling accounts of, of money or debts or, or whatever it may be? Or is Jesus seeking to teach us something here deeply spiritual? I think he is. I think Jesus is here giving us a picture, really, of the, the essence of the gospel itself. I think J.C. Ryle describes this uh, very helpfully, very clearly. Uh, he describes these verses as a vivid picture of the care which men ought to take in the great matter of reconciliation with God. You see, when we spiritually understand the times, and when we spiritually discern the truth about the Lord Jesus Christ, it leads us to consider who Jesus is and what he has done and who we are in light of the Lord Jesus Christ. It leads us to consider that great problem of sin which Christ has come to deal with and to solve. We, we are led, we must be led to consider the greatest of issues, which is at the heart of the gospel, peace and reconciliation with God. Again, J.C. Ryle, I think, really helpfully states this. Here he says that peace with God is by far the first thing in religion. It is the first thing in religion. It is what is, uh, at, at bottom, most important about the gospel message. How can we as sinners... Have peace with a holy God. And so what does this picture here that Jesus gives teach us uh, in its essence about the gospel? About what Jesus Christ has come to do? And first it presents to us the problem. It presents to us the problem which we have seen that we are all sinners who have transgressed God's law. Now, all of us are those created in his image, created to know God, have communion and fellowship with him. And yet, as we find throughout the scriptures, we are all those who have turned from God's way, who are sinners, worthy of God's condemnation and wrath to us. In fact, even here, as he describes the, the picture of someone who has a debt uh, to pay, we're, we're reminded of the Lord's Prayer, in which our Lord taught us to pray that God would forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. We are those who are indebted to God because of our sin. God is a just judge. His law is righteous. And his law is even spoken of by the Apostle Paul as that which accuses sinners, condemns us because of our sinfulness. There is a problem here presented. We have a debt. We have an accuser against us. And even more, the problem goes further. For Jesus describes that there is a judgment that comes upon sinners for this debt. Notice he says that if you do not settle the score, if you do not settle with your accuser, that you will be handed over to the officer and the officer will put you in prison. There is judgment to come for those who are sinners. But notice also in verse 59 the extent of this judgment. This is not a light judgment, but it is, as Jesus describes, a strict judgment. A judgment which he says will come down to the very last penny. The very last penny. I tell you, you will never get out until you have paid, the, the word there describes as the, the smallest of currency, uh, the, the very smallest amount of the debt which you owe must be paid before you can get out. There is a, a strict judgment. I think this is reflected by the psalmist in one of the great penitential psalms. Uh, Psalm 130, verse 3, in which he, he declares that if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? 
If the Lord counted up all of our sins and all of our transgressions, we must recognize that none of us can stand up to his strict judgment. And so there is a problem. There is judgment that is coming. But we also find in this uh, picture the hope of the settlement with God, the hope of peace with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this is what he offers here when he says in this picture that there is the ability to settle with your accuser before you come to the magistrate. And so while we understand that God is both just and righteous, who will by no means leave the guilty unpunished for their sin, that God is also the justifier of sinners in the Lord Jesus Christ. God our Father has presented and provided for us a Savior in the Lord Jesus Christ who took on human flesh, lived the righteous life in our place, suffered and died, bearing the judgment for sinners. And that through his death and resurrection, there is reconciliation with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet the problem that Jesus here addresses is that the people before him are blind, not simply to himself, but blind to the reconciliation that they need with God through the Lord Jesus Christ. They do not understand the present time. And they do not understand the present offer for reconciliation. And yet we must also notice in Jesus' words here that this present offer of reconciliation does not last forever. There is a time in which one may settle, uh, have peace with God, and yet there is a time in which you will be brought before the judge. There is a time to find forgiveness with God, and yet there is also a time for judgment, in which the time for forgiveness has passed. Psalm 32, verse 6, another penitential psalm, describes this, I think, clearly, which the psalmist there says that, Therefore, let everyone who is godly offer prayer to you at a time when you may be found. Hebrews chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, when the writer to the Hebrews speaks about Psalm 95. There's Psalm 95 telling uh, God's people to heed God's word today, while there is today. And the writer to the Hebrews writes to these New Testament Christians, Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of, in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart, leading you to fall away from the living God. But... Exhort one another every day, as long as it is called today, that none of you may be hardened by the deceitfulness of sin. And so here Christ presents to us a dire picture of the lack of spiritual discernment of Christ and the judgment that will come upon those who do not seek reconciliation through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here I think we ought to see that this is a, a warning uh, and even a call to those who are unbelievers uh, to turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, to, to understand the present time in which they live, uh, to heed the gospel offer and to seek reconciliation with God through Christ. There's a call for this. It is offered. And yet, as we've seen, this offer does not last forever. As long as it is called today, may we offer the gospel message to those around us who need to hear about the Lord Jesus Christ. And yet we might think as those who are uh, Christians and who have found reconciliation with God through Jesus Christ, uh, what do these verses have to say to us? Uh, how do these warnings and condemnations of Jesus apply to us as Christians today? I think certainly we ought to read these and rejoice in the Lord Jesus Christ that we are those who have received Christ by faith and in him found peace with God. 
As we see in the verses we read in in 1 Corinthians with the Apostle Paul, this is not something we've done of our own accord. This is the sovereign work of Christ in our lives. Christ has given to us by His Spirit the ability to spiritually discern Him and to spiritually discern the gospel message. So we ought to be those who rejoice, and we ought to be those who continue to hold fast to the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, that daily we would call upon God at a time when He may be found. And yet I think also here we find principles for us as we uh, live with spiritual discernment in this present time which we have. We are Christians, as the New Testament describes, who live in the last days and the last hour. And this last hour in which we live demands a certain kind of ethic and outlook which we ought to have. Uh, We ought to be those as spiritually discerning who live watchful lives, as we've seen described in the verses before us. Uh, We ought to be those who live with perseverance, who are characterized by holiness as we await the coming day of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, Christ here indicates for us a kind of spiritual wisdom which we ought to live our lives. He commends it to us. And so may we be those who pray for and seek after this spiritual discernment that we might live wise and godly lives in this present time as we pray together. Our God and Father in heaven, we do give thanks, O Lord, that you have granted to us by your Spirit the spiritual discernment of the Lord Jesus Christ. That, O God, while we are sinners indebted to you because of our sin, that you have provided a means of peace through the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. And, O God, would you teach us to be those who daily rejoice in your sovereign grace to us, who seek after you at a time when you may be found. Grant to us, we pray, this spiritual discernment that we might live wise lives in the time which you've given to us. All this we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.